1: Welcome into a tacking third. I'm your host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster for Sports. <laughs> Joined today by Lori Lindsay, former U.S. international and NWSL analyst. Today we have a full NWSL weekend recap to get through. Lots of different massive matches that happened. Uh, goals, 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 goals galore from this weekend that we need to talk about and dive into. Um, I want to wish everyone a happy Juneteenth. We celebrated that across the NWSL this weekend. And I really wanted to make sure that we celebrated it here on Attacking Third. So thank you everyone for joining us live. As a reminder, you can subscribe to us on YouTube for NWSL extended highlights, exclusive interviews, our live recaps, live previews, and so, so much more. YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. Really click subscribe hit like on this video. It helps out the pod so much. Sandra is not here today. She's still on vacation, missing her dearly, but she'll be back this week. Until then, we have the lovely Lori Lindsay joining us for this NWSL recap. Lori, welcome in. How's it going? I know you were on the call this weekend, but overall, how's it going with you? How are you?
2: Yeah, good. Um, and I think you said it perfectly about <laughs> the weekend. What a <laughs> wild weekend of goals and NWSL just in general. So, <laughs> but fun.
1: fun. It's so fun. <laughs> so fun, but very hectic vibes happening across the NWSL. Let's get into it because there were so many different games. As a reminder, you can watch these games on Paramount Plus. Uh, we had one match on CBS this weekend with Jen Hildreth, Ali Wagner, and Marissa Pilla. But let's start with our NWSL recap the, Big winners and losers. There were 16 goals scored in three games by four teams. 16 <laughs> goals in three games. I'm, yeah, I'm repeating that stat because that was just nuts. We're going to start with the heaviest hitter of them all Portland Thorns versus OL Rain. This match happened Sunday afternoon at three o'clock Eastern. The Thorns win this six to nothing. It was the biggest Portland Thorns victory since 2014. Back to back games for Portland where they have have scored 10 goals and conceded zero. Uh, Becky Sauerbron, she gets her first goal as a Portland thorn, and her first goal since 2019 that came in the 25th minute second goal of the day for them. Um, this this game was all thorns to start and to end, but when we look at the the overall trajectory of this game between Portland and Orlando, it was, it was two nothing at the half heading into halftime. And then Portland just continued to steamroll over Orlando throughout this second half. Um, Besides just looking at the scoreline, Laurie, when you looked at these two sides between Portland and Orlando, what did you make of this game?
2: Well, I, I made a, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, my microphone was about to fall over, so I needed to adjust that. Um, listen, with this game, I mean, this is a, a Portland team that um, won 4-0 last week, right? They they tied 2-2 in the middle of the week, a week and a half ago, against San Diego. We're still on the road against Houston, 1-4-0. And I think this is a team that made a few adjustments. They went to play a four-back the last two games, just in terms of the personnel. And... Um, a team that knew how important it was to get points. They're playing in front of their own home fans. And you have a number of players that are playing at a high level. I mean, we've even talked about um, Sophia Smith being an MLS, or excuse me, MVP candidate. Mm -hmm. Um, MVP (laughs) candidate. It's early in the morning, (laughs) 1030. Um, And... So I think you just see a a Portland team that is playing at a high level. Um, A lot of things that we talked about last year with this Portland team was just an understanding of roles and regardless of if you're starting or not. And I think that is one thing that Rian Wilkinson has done really well since taking over um, and Mark Parsons had led the way with that, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a real collaborative effort amongst the players and an understanding so people could step in seamlessly. And, yeah, I think it's just a team that was energetic, playing in front of home fans, that – We're excited and unfortunately Orlando not at their best. I think it was conceding two goals and then, you know, just a difficult time for them to find their way in in an environment like that at Providence Park.
1: Yeah, completely. And and you mentioned it with Portland winning 4-0 against Houston a week ago and then 6-0 against Orlando. Um, yes, 10 goals amongst these two different games, but lots of different goal scorers for Portland. Yes, Smith had a brace against Houston. She also had a brace against Orlando Pride. But in this most recent game for Portland, Hina Sugidis started this scoring in the 21st minute. Yeah. Becky Sauerbron got a goal. Uh <laughs> Quica also got a goal, and Taylor Porter got a goal—the final goal in stoppage time. So the balanced effort is there from the Thorns, and I think that's also something that's really impressive to see with all of the different rotation that they have. Um, we're starting to see a, a lot more minutes from Olivia Moultrie, the young player in the NWSL with the Thorns, and I am I'm impressed with what we're seeing from her being on this type of stage. I think Coffee has continuously improved game after game. And in this match against Orlando, I think Sam Coffey did such a nice job of sitting in those holes and finding those gaps and then quickly getting rid of the ball. She had pressure on her and and that's something that every opponent is looking to do as soon as Coffey gets the ball close in on her. But I think that made her play better because as she received the ball, it was one, two touch. She got it out on the other side. Um, The team effort, is something that I was super impressed with. And I had such a great time watching this game as a fan and as an, an analyst watching it and breaking it down because Orlando was just happy and, or excuse me, Portland was just happy and looking to play, move the ball around. They looked like they were having so much fun playing this Mm -hmm. game and that it was coming so easily to them, which doesn't always happen. And as the game went on, it became easier and easier for them to find those holes, find those pockets and just continue uh, the scoring for Portland. Um, No, uh, no Sidney LaRue in this match Mm -hmm. for um, Orlando pride, which definitely hurt them. And then, uh, right before this game actually happened on, on Friday, um, Amy Turner with Orlando pride announced that she was stepping away from Orlando and from the game in the NWSL. She took to social media and said, after a year in the NWSL with Orlando pride, I've decided to move on and explore a new challenge in my career. Thank you to everyone at Orlando who supported me during my time there, Wishing the club, good luck in the future. So that was from Amy Turner. So that definitely changed things and put a, um, a different tilt on this match, at least for me, because Orlando is going through a lot in, in their front office right now with, um, the head coach and first assistant having being put on leave right now. And the new coach is coming in, there's just a lot going on with Orlando. They actually had a, a shot in this game, go off the post against Portland that, um, Bella Bigsby gets pretty lucky at, but for Orlando, it's a bit of a struggle right now. And because they are dealing with so much off the pitch, it's really hard to translate that onto the pitch with good soccer. And and when you travel to Portland and go against a Thorns team, it's, it's tricky. It is really tough to do. And Portland made it very hard to do that.
2: Yeah, I think for both teams, it'd be for Orlando, it would seem like, okay, this is a good time to go into the international break to be able to regroup. I think even Tony Presley, the press conference afterwards was like, okay, we need to, yeah, exactly that, just regroup and Um, come together and figure some things out. And then for Portland, I think it's massive amount of points, right? And to to your point, and to what I was saying earlier too, this is an energetic Portland team that do seem to be having a lot of fun. And I'll be actually interested on the Portland side too, just about, um, do they end up sticking with this four back? Because that is Mm -hmm. 10 goals in the last two games with a different formation. And, with a three back, I mean, we've, we've seen in the last couple of weeks that they are susceptible to conceding goals. Um, they don't seem as comfortable holding on to leads. They still do put a lot of pressure um, regardless of the, the formation you're playing. But, I mean, there is something to be said about the amount of goals they're scoring in this a different formation where they have a little bit more com- um, comfort. I would say defensively or just behind the ball and in positions when it is turned over. So I'll be curious, but does a huge win for them. And I think important win for a team um, that was a little bit up and down for Portland in terms of results for a little bit. Right. So. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think looking at the formation is very interesting because honestly this gives uh, Rean Wilkinson another weapon in her arsenal use to have the flexibility to switch from a 3 back to a 4 back but yeah they found more success at that 4 back but i also think it has to go against the opponents they're playing against with orlando they were in a 433 so very central um and in a 4-4-2 for Portland, it allowed them to really occupy occupy the flanks and take up the space out wide, which is where we saw a lot of the action coming in from it. the first couple of goals. It was crosses in from the the width coming in um, mm-hmm. into the central area. So, honestly, having the ability to switch between a four-back and a three-back is a huge advantage yes. for Portland. It, no, no. Just looking at who they're going up against.
2: Yeah. And uh, like, let's be honest, we saw Kelly Hubley, her celebration for Portland a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> her celebration for Becky's goal. I mean, it, it is a bonkers over there. So and it was, it, it, I was I um, was it was exciting to see Cuica. I think she's been a really important piece to them and um, especially in the attack. So it's good to see her to be able to get a goal as well before she would be heading off um, soon, I would imagine, with Finland to the Euros.
1: Yeah, definitely huge for Kweeka. a good game by her, and nice to have her be rewarded with a goal, as you just mentioned. So Portland, uh, they take home the win over Orlando, 6-0, back-to-back shutouts and clean sheets for Portland and Bella Bigsby. The second game that I want to talk about that had a pretty large scoreline, Gotham FC versus San Diego Wave FC. San Diego take home the win in this match, 3-0, Alex Morgan, Alex Morgan, Alex Morgan. We've got to talk talk about her. She had a brace in this match. That's her 11th goal in 10 games. She also got the assist on the third goal scored by Mackenzie Doniak for the Wave. Um, This is a lot of goals for a player in Alex Morgan. She seems to be back in form in the postgame. Gotham FC players and, and Scott Parkinson talking about how Alex Morgan is looking at some of the best right now than she has. Even in her younger days, she is finding pockets of space. We saw a a lot more from San Diego Wave in this match against Gotham, which was a big topic. Uh, Sandra and I talked about it in the preview of this game that the first time these two teams played each other in the regular season, uh, San Diego won 4-0 against Gotham. Mm -hmm. Alex Morgan scoring four of those goals. Now this time it was at Red Bull Arena. It was on big CBS. It was Gotham going to let that happen again. And and we saw better things from Gotham. I don't want to just skim over the scoreline and say that San Diego dominated this game because I was actually very pleasantly surprised with what I saw from Christy Mewis in the midfield. She was finding those pockets. She had really nice through balls into Ifioma on Amano up top and, and Mitch Purse, but the forwards really, they couldn't score. They had one off the post. Uh, so San Diego got very lucky there being able to keep a clean sheet. But in, in this type of match, uh, when you look at the scoreline of it, San Diego sweeps the series now 7-0 aggregate over Gotham. And there are two matches that they played in this regular season. Um, and now San Diego State atop the standings um, it, to start the international break, which is something Alex Morgan alluded to in the post-game uh, interview with Marissa Pillow, that they wanted to be atop the standings. But between these two sides, I think we saw a lot of really good things on the San Diego side from Taylor Corniak. I was impressed with her in the midfield. Uh, Sophia Jakobsen, we saw more from her in the front line and combining well. But Alex Morgan, holy cow. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen. When a, when a player is um, in form, I mean, this is what you what you find, right? And uh, to to your point, I agree with this. I, I think sometimes the score line does get, you know, if you if you don't watch a game, mm-hmm. it skews exactly what happened. And I think there were some really good moments for for Gotham as well. Um, but fine margins in, in this league, as we always say. And on any given day, I do feel like teams can beat it, um, another team if if you're on point, right? If you're finishing your chances and unfortunately um, or fortunately for San Diego, they have Alex Morgan and to start open the scoring though, beautiful ball in from Corniac. And it's just those little, little details that are actually separating teams right now. Um, I think, you know, I mean, that's a little bit of a generalization because we're we're seeing more things, but um, yeah, I mean, credit to Casey Stoney um, and her team. I mean, really coming together have done I think have found the personnel um, that really suit them Mm -hmm. to be able to be successful, right? And I think there were some question marks about their midfield for a little bit on what was the right mix, who you're going to have. And I think even across the board, but for San Diego in particular, have found a formation and a um, starting 11 that suits them, right? And you're starting to see those partnerships come together.
1: I agree. And without Abby Dahlkemper in the back line, she's yeah. still out with well, doing
2: has been awesome. Gurma has been fantastic. And like, really, like, you wouldn't even know if you're new to this league that this is a, no. this is a rookie. I mean, leading the line, everything, right? Like, it, she has been fantastic
1: it's been super impressive to watch Germa and she started the the challenge cup. Well, with San Diego, right? Like it was as a rookie and playing her very first games in the NWSL, it was impressive. And now that San Diego is 10 matches into this regular season, she looks like she's been playing in the league for three years as a starting center back. It is truly impressive to see. Um, I, and, you mentioned the midfield gelling more for San Diego. I think the front line as well, with with Turbo getting more minutes in there, with Morgan and Jakobsen. They're starting to read each other so much better. Um, it, Jakobsen has had games where she is stellar and games where she is average and average for Jakobson is still amazing <laughs> compared to other players. But I think that we're starting to see more consistency of her understanding her role, occupying the flank, getting the balls and, and whipping them in and uh, Morgan and Turbo being able to read off of her as well as Corniak, understanding the movement off the ball between those players in the front line for San Diego has gotten a lot better. And, uh, the first time they played Gotham, it was very direct game. It was looking to go in over the top. And now the second match against Gotham, it was much more rhythmic. It was much more looking for the build-up play, having passing combinations, and, and getting into the attacking end, which poses a different threat against a Gotham team if you're expecting them to go, di- go direct. And San Diego ends up possessing a lot more, popping into the spaces underneath. Um, I,
2: yeah, I was going to say that's a great point about the directness because I think at the last few games for San Diego, we've seen a bit more confidence where originally I do feel like at the beginning of the season, even in the Challenge Cup, um, they tried to play a bit more. And then it started becoming a bit more direct in their ability to try to be, beat over the top, right? And they still have that. They have that ability to do that. We've seen some um, against O.L. Rain, right? One ball over the top, Alex Morgan's able to score right off of Caitlin Sheridan. However, I do think now – um, there is much more mobility and fluidity in their in their play so they have both aspects which which will be interesting going forward and Jakobson, i think also it just came into like settling into this league i mean this is a very yeah. transitional league It'd be something that would look very different than um her previous experiences so i think she's learning how to affect the game um and and you know this in san diego um with her play, right, in this
1: Mm -hmm. league. (laughs) And it does take a a bit of time to adjust. You know, we talked a lot about San Diego, just some stats from the Gotham side of things. If Yoma Anamano led Gotham with shots, she had five, three of those on target, but no other player for Gotham had shots on target. Zerboni and Purse both had two shots, but off frame. So the attacking presence for for Gotham really wasn't there. They had a a great shot off the post from Anamano, but I think we saw a lot more, from Christine Mewis in the midfield. I was impressed with what I saw from her and her ability to pop in those holes, find those spaces, and, and feed the forwards. But then the finishing wasn't there. So it's they're getting there. They're getting there in their in their build-up attacking play. But San Diego take the win 3-0 over, over Gotham. That was the Sunday afternoon game. And the last game on Sunday, North Carolina Courage versus Houston Dash. Houston win this four. Three. Yes. Four to three. Houston win this one. There were five goals in 13 minutes to start the second half. North Carolina was at home as well. And this is the first time that the Courage have lost at home when they've scored three goals. Um, Lori, you were on the call for this game. It was great to hear you there. What were your thoughts on, on this Honestly,
2: that, that was one of the strangest games. It was very, it was very strange. Just in the fact that like, um, you know, there wasn't a ton of rhythm for either teams. I think there was um, uncharacteristically turnovers and un- unnecessary areas. Um, you know, I felt like North Carolina started the game really well. We didn't see Houston um, get a lot of opportunities. I thought Sullivan was excellent in there mm-hmm. um, throughout the game. Um, in terms of like, you know, starting dictating tempo, like we usually typically see, but we're getting higher up the field, just, um, forcing Houston to have to turn over balls in certain areas. But what a, what a cracker of a goal to start with from O'Sullivan, but then against the, almost against the run of play and massive right. credit to Sanchez, because what an excellent finish that was, but it was uh, just a poor giveaway, um, off of, you know, uh, honestly, an, an unnecessary giveaway, um, and then Sanchez with the perfect finish to e- equalize, right? And then you felt like, all right, here's North Carolina growing into the game, number of chances, but it was like the final pass, the like the final understanding of, um, you know, a player going one way, the ball played behind her or or what, whatever, right? It was just the lack of execution. And I really thought coming into that second half that North Carolina playing at home, getting the big win, the following the weekend prior against the Washington Spirit. Um, and even talking to Sean Nahas just about his team, you know, starting to show a bit more mentality and character, the character that they're used to seeing. Um, I thought we were going to see this, you know, this North Carolina team come out. And then, <laughs> I, think so I, I think like, we all thought that. I think we all thought that was so going to happen. After they conceded that goal, um, mm-hmm. I think it was like in the 16th minute or so, then it was basically all North Carolina uh, outside of like a few, kind, again, just un- unnecessary uncharacteristic turnovers yeah and but my goodness like yeah, so, you had, it was an unnecessary foul right to give away the free kick and then just an odd play Kurt's trying to you know um clear it doesn't um, uses her head, goes right into the path of e- Eddie, and mm-hmm. Eddie pounced on it first, right? And then, oh, like
1: a great job by Eddie. It, yeah. So this is what happens into the halftime. I'll give a scoring summary for everyone listening. <laughs> into the halftime, one-one, all tied up. Um, a goal apiece from O'Sullivan and Sanchez. O'Sullivan for North Carolina, and Sanchez for Houston Dash. Forty-seventh minute, Houston Dash score. Fiftieth minute, Houston Dash score. Fifty-first minute, Houston Dash scored is now. 4 1 in the 51st minute. North Carolina gets one back in the 57th minute. It's now 2 4 still to Houston. And then in the 59th minute, the Courage get their third goal of the game, 3 4 to Houston. But holy cow, the start of the second half, it was, as you just mentioned, uh, Eddie picked up the ball and had an incredible goal coming in the 47th minute. And then she gets another one in the 50th minute, a, a great little chipper ball in, which is something we haven't seen Elizabeth Eddie do, take a game by her hands and say, I'm going to control this one. Um, we've seen Rachel Daly do that. And now in the absence of Rachel Daly, perhaps it's allowing more space for other players to come in. But North Carolina sleeping at the start of that second half, perhaps?
2: Oh, I think certainly. And I think they'll look at that, the the video and, and not be pleased. Because these are all things, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the finishes or whatever. Um, but from just the North Carolina standpoint, I think, they'll know that, you know, there's there's moments in the game that you have to be turned on. And that would be, you know, start of a, a start of a half, start of a game. Um, and to give away that um, free kick and then to mm-hmm. concede that goal to go down two to one, right? And then to not be able to control play, another quick turnover. And I originally on that second Eddie goal thought it took a deflection, but it was a fantastic finish. I mean, she just understood, like, opens her body, just clips it over, And yeah, I mean, and credit to Sarah Loudon, right? Because is this like the most convincing win anybody's ever seen from Houston Dash? No, I'd say not Um, because you're also missing some, some players, right? As you mentioned, Rachel Daly, who's a big piece um, to not only scoring, but I think some like emotional aspect of their team and the energy as well. But, you know, Sanchez has been fantastic for them and we've seen her play out wide this game she's moved more central now she did have the freedom to roam a bit so we Mm -hmm. did see her out wide as well um but i think that was a huge move because then eddie does get the start we've seen eddie also start out wide musan has more centrally and um you know just the adjustments that were needed to be made to ultimately get that win i think um you got to give um sarah loudon some credit for sure on that you definitely do yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, then I was just gonna say, and then the shell prints. I mean, that has to be <laughs> that has to be honestly a goal of the year candidate because sure. just the ability to cut across the front foot, right, and then just slot it. I thought it was excellent. That end up being the game winner. Yes.
1: Yeah. It, it ends up being the game winner, and it was a really incredible goal. Um. It, but holy cow, the goals in this game just to run through the going the scoring summary for everyone. North Carolina starts the scoring sixth minute. Denise O'Sullivan, the equalizer comes from Sanchez of Houston. That comes in the 15th minute. Second half starts off Elizabeth, Eddie goal in the 47th minute, Eddie again in the 50th minute, uh, Michelle Prince in the 51st minute. And then North Carolina gets back on the board, a goal from the rookie Deanna Ordonez in the 57th minute. The Bina gets on the board in the 59th minute, um, it, but you're right. The Nichelle Prince goal is the one that helped Houston win. It was the game winner in this match, for sure.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, listen, you just listing off all this goal. <laughs> all this goals is world-class. It is unbelievable. It so, as strange as the game was and the back and forth and, like, conceding goals and, like, quick succession on both sides, every single one – I mean, the first touch from Ordonez and then the second oh. touch, I mean, to set up the goal – I mean – Unbelievable. So, well, not unbelievable because we just saw it, but um, it was was a (laughs) fantastic goal.
1: Yeah, I think that's such a good point, too, that all of these goals were really world-class. They they were incredible. I forgot about that touch from Ordonez. It was a long ball coming in left side of the field into her in the box. Mm -hmm. She touches it. Um, It has not a lot of space in front of her defender, but is able to move laterally, get around the defender and then rip a beautiful shot. I've been incredibly impressed with Ordonez and what she's been able to do um, now to see her go with the international level of things going with Mexico and and Maria Sanchez. We'll see them in the CONCACAF W championships this summer, which is good, but bad for U.S., but great as NWSL fans to be able to continue to watch a lot of these players go and excel uh, at the international level, which is something I am hoping for but that that rounds all our crazy scoring summary of the weekend north carolina versus houston the dash take the win four to three in this final match we have three more games to get through of our weekend recap thanks everyone for joining us we'll be right back after this very quick break
0: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. (gasps) Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.
1: Welcome back to Attacking Third. I'm Lisa Roman, your host alongside Lori Lindsay. We're here breaking down the NWSL weekend of games. We've got a pair of ties to go through and that competition. We'll start with Washington versus Racing Louisville. This game happened Friday evening at 730. It ends in a 2-2 draw, but at the half, Washington Spirit up 2-0 over Racing Louisville and Racing Louisville fighting back. It was the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Nadia Nadim. She steps on the pitch for Racing Louisville. She ends up with a brace, two assists from Jess McDonald for Racing Louisville. Um, A lot of good things we saw from this match. And we've talked so much about a team like Washington Spirit and how many games they've played in quick succession and how now they were able to have a break, have a full five, six days of rest and training and preparation before this Racing Louisville game on Friday. And uh, we saw that. At the start of this match, uh, Washington looked more energetic than we have seen in the past. They had a little bit more energy in them. We saw the start from Elwell up top, Hatch, Rodman, Sanchez, Sullivan in the midfield. It was full force uh, for Chris Ward and his squad. We even saw minutes from Kelly O'Hara coming in off the bench in this match. She was able to get a whole half of game under her belt, which was good to see as a player coming back from injury. But um really a team, a game that ends in a two, two tie. I did not see that coming between these two sides by any means. Um, I had Washington winning this one in our pregame predictions as did Sandra, but Lori, when you looked at this Washington spirit side against this racing Louisville side, um, heading into the halftime at two nil for Washington and then conceding two in the second half, what stood out to you about this match?
2: Well, I, I think you're seeing that some of the pieces come together again for Washington. I, mean, I know there's talk about them having like a full week off or close to a full week. I do still think, though, the amount of games that they played and the, the mental fatigue that that takes as well, I... I I think we saw some of that play out mm-hmm. um, and in credit to racing Louisville, they came in and they hung in. Right. Um, you know, I think for the most part played off the field in the, in the first half. Um, and, and we saw glimpses of the old Washington sphere or the Washington Spirit we're used to seeing um, with the likes of like Andy, Andy Sullivan and um, Ashley Sanchez and then Trinity Rodman linking up really for the, the those two goals. I mean, Andy started both of them and then Sanchez with the freaking beautiful balls and excellent finish from Trinity Rodman. I mean, this is what we're typically, that we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, I do think it's interesting. I mean, this is something that the Washington Spirit will need to sort out. Um, you know, they have conceded late in um, a number of games. Um, and so, you know, part of that, I think, is, again, fatigue, but... Um, and just learning how to and almost relearning how to close out games again. Because, you know, I think with so much of the fatigue early on in so many games, there hasn't been time to train. There hasn't been time to refocus. And there are lapses that we're seeing that I think they wouldn't find even acceptable in in their in their game, right? So mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. This match was um it was interesting. We got yeah. to see Elwell get a goal for Washington Spirit. And I was more impressed with her play this week than I have been in weeks past. Um, the, the rookie for Washington playing up top. I think having play in alongside Sanchez, Rodman, Hatch, Sullivan has helped Elwell. Uh, when we've seen her before, it's been a bit frantic play. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was able to get on the board for Washington, which is good to see a rotation and a variety of players scoring. When, when we look at racing Louisville, this team has grit and they have fight in them. And I love to watch it. Savannah DeMello in the midfield was very fun to watch play in this game. Um, She was controlling a lot of the midfield, more so in the second half, right? We saw Andy Sullivan get the start in midfield for Chris Ward and sub off in the 60th minute or so. And I think losing that presence of Andy Sullivan in the midfield was an advantage to DeMello because she was able to find more space that Sullivan wasn't occupying anymore and find those pockets and control a little bit more, dictate more of how the game was going to play. Um, and sure. and because of that, I think DeMello is the one that set up at least the first goal that came of it. Uh, ultimately, Jess McDonald getting the last assist on this one, but for Nadia and Nadim to come in off the bench and get two goals, this is a player that just is so fun to watch play in, in Nadia Nadim. And when I think she steps onto the pitch, the the game is elevated for racing Louisville. They have a bit more energy. They have a bit more... Um, pizzazz and how they're going to play soccer and looking to find a player like Nadia Nadim. And we saw two very different goals from Nadim. She gets one with her head. That was a beautiful goal. Um, but Jess McDonald, I mean, she's continues to lead the standings as an NWSL assist leader. She's a superstar in that sense and a, a true team player all over the board um, for this game. But this this was a very odd game, right? Like this was an odd way to start yeah. the NWSL weekend.
2: Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll step back is because we talked about this on HQ as well. And I brought up um, this game um, and Andy Sullivan being such an important part for Washington Spirit because we haven't seen her have a ton of consistent minutes just coming back from injury and working her way back in. But the importance she is just in terms of problem solving, getting everybody on the same page in the run of play is is so important. And I think mm-hmm. then you see her, how that affects the team directly when she's off the field. And I, I'm not going to be able to directly quote this, the stat, but I saw a stat, too, of what it looks like conceding of goals when Andy Sullivan is not on the field compared to when she in, when she is. And there's a huge discrepancy, and it just um, shows how important Andy Sullivan is in that position, again, just to vocally organize and, and get players on the same page. Um, with And with a team that's dynamic in the way they play, that is hugely important, right, to have some balance in that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. DeMello's been so fun to watch. Um, I actually was curious if she would have gotten a call-up. Um, yeah. you know, but, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with potentially, um, you know, earlier on she didn't get a ton of minutes. So we're, we're seeing in the last maybe six weeks, Max, Demello starting to get a lot more time consistently and her grow into her role um with racing. A little. But yeah, she's fun and energetic. Um, and this is a team I think because they're young, we're seeing some of the ups and downs or, or mm-hmm. maybe not a whole 90 minute performance uh, which reminds me of like a game against um Gotham a um, handful of weeks ago now where they started off that game incredibly well and Gotham hit the post like four times but they had, <laughs> en- they had enough, right? To like really be able to start the game well show their energy show their ability to threaten in behind and then enough defensively to hold off on that game but yes we're still seeing some small de- details in their kim th- their coach kim um, Bjork and Grin has even spoken to that, right? For them, it's going to be about the little details, but yeah, partnership with Nadia and, um, Jess McDonald, I think will be so fun. It's unfortunate that we're going to fortunate for Nadia because it's what she was working towards to get back from an injury to go to the Euros with Denmark. So she is going to be gone. Um, however, that partnership will be fun to watch. Um, because obviously as soon as Nadia comes in great understanding between those two quick little one, two Nadia's in and then, the thread in behind the space awareness from Jess McDonald to be able to peel out wide, stay on that ball and then great ball in to service for the header. So, um, for an energetic team, right. That has like done well in spurts to get those two operating consistently. Um, you know, after most likely after the euros (laughs) should and will be fun.
1: Sparks flying between those two for sure, but ultimately Washington Spirit and Racing Louisville, they split the points in a 2-2 tie on Friday night. We had another tie this weekend, just two of the six matches, but this one between Kansas City Current and Chicago Red Stars. This one also ending in a 2-2 draw. Kansas City up at the half, 1-0 over the Chicago Red Stars. Um, This was a slow start for Chicago. We didn't see a lot in their attacking uh, presence in the first half there was moments of it but nothing too crazy there and then in the second half Chicago gets back-to-back goals in the 53rd minute and then in the 58th minute on a penalty kick uh, Kansas City ends up with an equalizer from CC Kaiser in the 68th minute that ends up tying everything but this was the the first game for Chicago where they were without Kayla Sharples their center back who had stepped in seamlessly after the injury to Tierna Davidson and then Kayla Sharple is announcing she has torn her ACL, just devastating to see. So we saw Zoe Morse slot into that center back role with Amanda Kowalski in the outside back for Chicago. We saw Bianca St. George back in the starting lineup. Uh, she's been in and out. Ella Stevens up top, Nagasato, Pugh, and Hill. So the, the presence of attacking features are there for Chicago. And on the Kansas City side, we saw the dynamic duo of Kristen Hamilton and CeCe Kaiser combining for goals. I love this duo. What a great trade for Kansas City to get CeCe Kaiser from Racing Louisville. The, her partnership already with Kristen Hamilton is fantastic. Kristen Hamilton uh, ends up with her fourth goal of this season for Kansas City. So now she holds the club record for goals in a season at four for Kristen Hamilton. But another tie on the board 2 2 between Chicago and Kansas City.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a bit of a strange game as well. Um and, and for I think with what Chicago's dealing with in the back line and for some of the young players are having to step in and play a lot of minutes, um a huge point on the road for them as they continue to to evolve and like kind of sort pieces out. But you know, going back to kind of what we were saying about um you know, I think it was Portland about finding the the starting lineup, the same with San Diego, right? I think we're starting to see that with, with um, Kansas City as well. There was a lot of different numbers. Now that was due to different things, right? Injuries, mm-hmm. COVID that they had at the start of the regular season as well. So they had to slot in a lot of different players. Now we're starting to see consistency in their starting lineup. Kristen Hamilton has has been a threat. But, yes, Kaiser coming in. That also gives, you know, some wiggle room for Elise Bennett because I think least Bennett has wow. been – so fun to watch as a rookie and initially wasn't starting, but then starting some as well. And now with Kaiser, it gives Elise Bennett an opportunity to start because you can play Kaiser in a few different places or come off the bench and not have to carry as much load as a rookie um, if necessary. Right. So, um, and it gives Kansas city a huge start off the bench as well. So, um, you know, I think both of these teams, I mean, Chicago, or what are they second right now? I didn't even see the standings yet. Yes. Um, yes. Well, in terms of the adjustments from yesterday,
1: third, they're yeah. third. I mean, they right consistently
2: now. kind of started collecting points, but I think it was, there was a lot of ups and downs for Kansas city. And now we're starting to see them kind of like sort some things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and starting to find, um, a bit more play. And I, you know, you brought up Bianca St. George. Um, I thought Kansas city did a good job defensively. Yes. Um, you know, quieted her, made sure she – because she has been an impact for them um, in creating opportunities, getting up and down um, throughout this season so far. And I thought Kansas City did a good job of of really keeping her quiet and then building out of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this – back when you were talking about Kansas City's attack, the fact that they (laughs) – we're su- the traded in the off season, yeah. Lynn Williams, Sam Mewis, right. They yeah. are supposed to have this prolific attack. This, these weapons in the midfield, the national team players that um, we're going to change the game for Kansas city. And unfortunately suffering with injury is Lynn Williams, SEI this year, Sam Mewis is dealing with a lot of injury right now. And the fact that Matt Potter has been able to bring in a player like CC Kaiser and develop a player like Elise Bennett, the rookie um, to play alongside Hamilton and Mace in the front line as well. I think Pickett in uh, the attacking presence has been incredibly good as well. Victoria Pickett. So the fact that Kansas City was supposed to have Samuels and Lynn Williams and these they end up with Hamilton, Kaiser, uh, Bennett, Mace is so great to see. Imagine Mewis and Williams were here. I Honestly, I'm I'm okay with it not, right? Like it was, there was moments of doom and gloom for Kansas City when they knew that they were going to be without Mewis and Williams. But the fact that these other players have stepped up, we're seeing so many more minutes played by Elise Bennett because Mm -hmm. of the injury to Williams happening. And I'm really impressed with Kansas City and what they've been able to do um, in this NWSL regular season. Mm -hmm. This is now their fourth game in a row undefeated Uh, Chicago also extends that uh, to their sixth game undefeated because these two teams end in a draw ultimately, but I was um, more impressed with Kansas city in this match than I was with Chicago. I was a little unimpressed with Chicago and what they were able to not do frankly, because the defense for Kansas city was so strong, so tight. Um, They did a nice job with it. Mallory Pugh, she could have had the game winner. Mm -hmm. Chicago, there was a moment um, she looked to pass it instead of going near post. uh, I was watching the game with Jimmy, my fiance, and he was like, does she not have a right foot? Why isn't she shooting this? He's going crazy. And so, you know, it was a good shot when he's yelling at the TV, not just me. Um, Mm -hmm. But Pugh definitely could have put that one away and not entirely sure what was happening there. But I think Kayla Sharples um, being out for Chicago was going to be a bigger factor. And it really wasn't. The defense for Chicago stepped in and was able uh, to get a draw. So ultimately, Chicago and Kansas City, they split these points in a 2 2 draw to end Saturday evening. We have one more game OL Rain versus Angel City. This was an NWSL after dark on the East Coast at 10 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Between OL Reign and Angel City. It was uh, the fourth time that OL Reign has won a game in five games, 1 0. OL Reign, they sneak out with a win. Angel City, they are now without Kristen Press having to adjust in their attacking end to do some things. But between OL Reign and Angel City, Lori, um, is this what you are expecting? A 1 0 win for OL Reign?
2: Well, again, it was a bit of a strange game as, as a. <laughs> um, as it went on, it, that is the theme. It has been the theme this whole, I and mean, there's a lot of goals, and they're all. And it was a bit strange across the board, right? Um, but, you know, with O.L. Rain playing at home, and I think with the amount of chances they had, it has been a little bit of the theme for them, though, right? You know, dictating the tempo, yeah. having a lot of the possession, and just not having the finishing chances. Um, so in some ways, yeah, I mean, I thought Angel City was good defensively, I thought they did well. I just think once Simone Charlie also went down in the first half, then it was going to be difficult to generate um, a lot of attack because you're going to have her be able to hold up play or at least threaten in behind. So, and you've already moved Lucy, um, who has traditionally been um, an attacker. And obviously, we've seen her since Jasmine Spencer has been out um, as well, being in that right back position, but or left back position, depending. Um, But so you're limited going forward at this Mm -hmm. point in time, right? And limited in having threats going forward. Uh, But yeah, as the game carried on, right, we all know about like Megan get her red card and um, the amount of the most yellow cards, I think, in any individual game. So there was not much rhythm, right? And at that point in time, you're going to lose the ability to, I think, continuously create chances on either side because there's just so much stoppage in play at that point in time.
1: Eight yellow cards, nine. If we're going to count the double to Megan Rapinoe um, that came into play, yes. Yeah, so that's it's really hard to develop a rhythm in, in that sense. And uh, you just mentioned also Simone Charlie going down at the beginning of this match for Angel City, which, uh, not, not great for them to see. It was the 30th minute or so, Charlie was uh got subbed off because of that. And it was, I was curious how Freya Kuhn was going to rotate in her attacking presence and, and what would happen if Lucy would push higher up the field um kind of how what would happen with Endo would be more pressure put on her to do that. And ultimately, um, they weren't able to get another goal for for O.L. Reign. The goal came from Bethany Balser in the 31st minute. And then from there, it was a back and forth. It was a bit choppy. The, the rhythm was hard to get because of all the stoppage of plays and everything that was happening. It was a chippy game in that sense as well. Um, I believe D.D. Heritage had a very good game. I was impressed with her and what she was able uh, to do six saves against O.L. Reign in this match. And O.L. rain has been known to score, right, or to get shots off, not to score, yeah. but to get shots off. And the fact that Didi Heritage didn't just make good saves, but there were moments of great saves where she held on to the ball and didn't bobble it when if she bobbled it, it would have been a goal for O.L. in in terms of the follow up and the players pressure that was put on them. I was very impressed with Didi Harachich and, and her ability yeah, yeah. to step up defensively and save so many goals, especially when uh, up against another goalkeeper keeper in Fallon Tullis-Joyce, three saves on the night for her in O.L. Reign, who has had a tremendous year so far. I don't think she was tested as much. Angel City just not putting enough pressure on O.L. Rain's back line, um, but – uh, I like to see Belser get a goal, right? Like, it's always fun when she can score in a variety of ways. And for O.L. Reign, they, they haven't been putting up a lot of goals. As I mentioned, this is their fourth 1-0 win in five games. So holding out a shutout is huge. And um, a lot of that goes to found a choice for sure in goal mm-hmm. for O.L. Reign.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, it was good to see Balser and that (laughs) going to the theme of goals and strange. I I think everyone's like, did that ricochet off just as hard as it came at her? Um, so it was, it was, was, um, fun to watch for Balser in that case. Um, yeah, I mean, I think You know, across the board in all these games, it is an interesting time to go into international break and ultimately a longer, prolonged break for a lot of players who are going into international duty for, like, qualifiers or Euros or whatnot. So it'll be be interesting. And it'll be interesting in particular with OL Reign because, obviously, we've seen the news about Tobin Heath coming in, Mm -hmm. Haidema, Kim Little. I I would expect at least um, Tobin and... um, Kim Little coming in sooner than later, right, um, with Heidema, I think, after Canada um, with CONCACAF qualifiers. So it'll be interesting to how all that mixes in with the players that they already have and um, and how they kind of deal with the international breaks because they're going to be losing a lot of players as well. Same with um, a number of these teams. but Another one that comes to mind is, is the Washington Spirit, who we've talked about too.
1: Yes, a lot of players heading off to international break, but NWSL taking a break right now uh, with this international break. So as we look at the standings heading into this break, San Diego Waves stay at number one. They've been there for the entirety of the regular season, 18 points. Number two, Portland Thorns with 16 points. Chicago Red Stars in third place at 16 points. Houston Dash fourth, 15 points. In fifth place, O.L. Reign 13. 13 points, also with 13 points in number sixth spot, Angel City. Now, the top six teams make the NWSL playoffs number seven Washington Spirit with nine points Gotham FC and ranks number eight in the standings with nine points also with nine points racing Louisville in Kansas City at ninth and 10th place sitting in 11th in the standings Orlando Pride eight points and North Carolina with seven points at the bottom of the table in 12th place but only five points separating spots one through six between San Diego and Angel City how ironic is it that both expansion clubs are bookending the playoff positions, number one, San Diego, number six, Angel City, and only two points separating spots, seven through 12. Uh, goal differential is a huge factor. That's the number one tiebreaker in the standings this year, Portland. They are plus 14 in the goal differential. It is incredibly impressive to see Orlando pride, negative 15. So that's the biggest gap. And although North Carolina is at the bottom of the table with 12 points, uh, in 12th place and only seven points. Their goal differential is zero, which is a great place for them to be. If they get two wins, they jump up the standings to fifth place or so. So there's a lot of movement that is to come from this table. It's still early. We're about the halfway point of the season as we enter this NWSL um international break, but uh San Diego very pleased to be at the top of the standings. Alex Morgan alluded to that after their match in her post-game interview that this is where San Diego Wave wanted That's to weird. be um Laurie, final thoughts from you on games this weekend, the standings that we see. Anything else? Uh,
2: no, I mean the only thing I'll add is like, um, you know, I think it, we already think it's interesting. I think yeah. it's be even more interesting, right? Um, because regardless of the standings right now, and um, listen, there's not much of separating, right? So few games, few games during this time when a lot of teams will be missing. Teams could could change the direct trajectory of the season, could not, right? So I think. Um, feels like a little bit of like, um, good time to have a break, but also buckle up for, <laughs> for, the, second, for the second half, because my goodness, there's already been some wild times. So you take
1: a deep breath, but also buckle up because yeah, who exactly. knows what could happen. Thank you everyone so much for listening to attacking third Lori. Thanks for being here and filling in Sandra. We miss you. You can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram at attacking third. We're on Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. And we're also available as video Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. If you have questions for us, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question and we will answer it. We'll be back with more on Wednesday as we head into this international break. For Lori Lindsay and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.
0: Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docu-series. This is
1: the start of something major.
2: Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college
0: murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Quit as a roommate. It yeah. is a huge Wait night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.